welcome to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. We will explore God's Word to learn how we can live by God's grace and for His glory. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Here's your host, Noah Hooper. On the cross, you see the love of God and the love of Christ for sinners in what Jesus did. We learn the depth of His love by seeing how Jesus lived and died for us, how He bore our shame on the cross, how He bore our sin on the cross. We see God's love in what Jesus did. However, that's not the only way we see His love for sinners on the cross. Jesus didn't say much while He was on the cross, but what He said reveals so much about the kind of Savior He is. And that is why over the next several weeks, we're going to walk through the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. He only spoke seven times. He only made seven statements. But these statements show us much about who Jesus is. We see his heart for those who hate him in praying, Father, forgive them. We see his heart for unworthy sinners and his promise to the thief, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. We see his heart for Mary, his mother, in providing John to be her provider after his death. Woman, behold thy son, and son, behold thy mother. We see the depth of sin separation in his exclamation to the Father, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We see the reality of his humanity in his request for a drink when he said, I thirst. We see the sufficiency of his work in his triumphant declaration, It is finished. And then finally, we will see the fullness of his deity in taking his own life when he said, Father, into thy hands. I commend my spirit. Put simply, what Jesus said on the cross shows us much about who Jesus is. These phrases point us to his humanity and his deity. They reveal the depth of his love and the extent of his grace. They show us the awfulness of sin and the greatness of the love of God. They magnify Christ and his love to us. What Jesus said on the cross will surely lead us to see him for the glorious Savior that he is. So I hope this series will cause you to see and worship Christ with a deeper love and devotion. So let's begin by looking at the very first statement on the cross found in Luke 23, 34, when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This statement shines even brighter when we set it against the dark actions surrounding this verse. Consider what Jesus could have said after all he had been through and was going through and would go through. He had been unjustly accused, condemned, and sentenced. He was whipped, cursed, and mutilated. He had borne a splintery cross on a wounded back. He had been lied about and mistreated. He was being reviled, derided, and mocked. He spoke these words right after he had been nailed to the cross and suspended between heaven and earth. He had been greatly sinned against, and it would get even worse after this. The soldiers would gamble over his robe. The people would spectate as he writhed in agony. The rulers would turn up their nose at Jesus. They would all accuse him of not being in the Christ. And that's just in the next verse. This was not a solemn holy occasion. The crucifixion was a spectacle of epic proportions. 
These people were being entertained by Jesus. To them, he was a fool who deserved to die. To them, he was a blasphemer who was worthy of crucifixion. To them, he was a phony. All of this makes this prayer even more amazing. He could have shouted in agony, but he instead breathed a prayer in love. His first words could have been offered to the Father as a plea for judgment. They could have been declared to them as a declaration of judgment. He could have prayed, Father, destroy them, but he prayed, Father, forgive them. He could have prayed, Father, condemn them, but he prayed, Father, forgive them. He could have prayed, Father, let your wrath fall upon these sinners, but he prayed, Father, forgive them. The word forgive, it means to leave or to send away. This same word is used when it spoke of Peter, James, John, and Andrew leaving their nets behind to follow Jesus. Just as those men had to leave their nets behind to follow Jesus, he prays for the Father to leave these offenders' sin behind. Don't put it on their account. Don't lay it to their charge. That is the prayer of Jesus. He intercedes for the one crucifying him. He intercedes for the one mocking him, for the one spitting on him. Jesus does this because that's exactly who Jesus is. He doesn't rescue those who first love and cherish him, but he loves those because he first loved those. He came to rescue his enemies. The statement matters because it's not just about those who were physically there. It's about all of us. We all put Jesus on the cross. My sin and your sin nailed him to the cross and he stayed there saving us. The heart of Christ is to save those who have sinned against him and those who don't even know or care that they have sinned against him. Notice why he prayed this prayer. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is the heart of Christ on full display because of when he prayed this. He didn't pray this as sinners were repenting and confessing. It would have been one thing, if Jesus was on the cross and the soldiers and the thieves near him, even though one would, as we'll see next week, and all of the people there were saying, Lord, we see that you are the Christ. Would you please forgive us? And then he prayed, Father, forgive them. That would have been one thing. But instead, he prays this prayer as they are mocking him, as they are crucifying, as they are gambling over his robes. That's when he prays this prayer. When they have no idea that they even need this prayer to be prayed for him, that's when he does. He's the kind of Savior who makes forgiveness possible when those who need forgiveness don't even know they need forgiveness. The crucifixion of Jesus, it shows just how deep the depth of our sin goes, but it also shows that the love of God goes as deep as our sin goes. Their sin was so deep that what they were doing didn't even register in their minds as sin. They didn't care. They didn't know. But yet Jesus knew how vile, wretched, and awful their sins was. And while he was paying the price for their sin, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He offered this prayer of intercession to the Father. They mocked the one who was paying the price for their for their mocking, gawking, and deriding. They mocked the one who was hanging on the cross that they may not face the penalty of God's wrath. And while he is on the cross, he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
They were committing divine treason against Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but they had no clue what they were doing. They didn't know that this was their salvation on the tree. They had no idea that Jesus Christ was there on purpose to save them from their sins. In their ignorance, their sin surely still was heinous. Yet in their ignorant sin, Christ did not hold it against them. Here you see the heart of Christ for sinners just like us. When we look at the cross, we must not see the soldiers, spectators, rulers, and then think we are better than them. For even though we were not physically present when Jesus was crucified, you and I are all just as guilty as they are. We see the depth of our sin on full display because as Romans 5 teaches us that in Adam, we are all sinners. And in Adam, we all die. We are all worthy of death because of sin. We are no better than those who were there on that day. Though we didn't drive the nails through his wrist or bring the vinegar to its tongue, we have sinned against him as deeply as these did. Yet for sinners like us, Jesus gives forgiveness. He is able to pray, Father, forgive them because he was doing everything necessary that they might be forgiven and that we might be forgiven. Their sin and our sin was laid on his shoulders. He bore our sin. He carried our shame. He didn't pray, Father, forgive them as an empty, trite prayer. But he prayed, Father, forgive them because as he is hanging on the cross, he is making forgiveness possible. He is paying the price so that God would be both just and justifier. So that he would be righteous in forgiving sinners. This is the wondrous glory of the first statement of Jesus on the cross. He does it all when no one is looking for him to do any of it. He's the kind of Savior that comes to save when those who have sinned against him don't even know it and don't even care about it. Jesus is the Savior who died for sinners when they had no idea they needed a Savior. He doesn't come when the signal is raised to heaven saying, come, save us and help us. He comes to save even before we know we need saving. He is the sinner seeking Savior. He does it all for us. Perhaps you are listening to this like the crowd. You don't see yourself as a sinner. You think you've been a pretty moral person your whole life. Yet I implore you to see yourself as a sinner because the Bible says that you are. You need forgiveness as much as anyone who was there on that day. Your great need is to see that Jesus prayed that prayer because they needed forgiveness. He prayed that prayer because they needed to have their sins forgiven. And, and friend, you need to have your sins forgiven if you have not been yet saved. See yourself for the sinner you are. And then see Christ for the Savior He is. You may be listening to this and you do feel the immense weight of your sin. You know that you have sinned against God, broken His law, and are worthy of righteous judgment. Perhaps you may think that He will cast you out if you come. You think that He will not forgive you because of the greatness of your sin. Friend, the greatness of your sin is only eclipsed by the greatness of His love and His salvation. He came to redeem you while you are a sinner. If that was his heart towards those who had no clue, do you think he will respond to 
you differently, the weight of your sin can only be cast aside as it is, it is placed on his shoulders. He will take your sin from you. He will bear your sin for you. He will save you from your sin. Trust in him alone. Lay your sin at his feet and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And to those of you who have trusted Christ, you may think that his heart is different towards you now when you sin. That he requires some kind of penance from you or something of that nature. No, my brothers and sisters, he only requires that we confess and rest in the forgiveness he has given. When we try to pay for our sins as Christians and beat ourselves up and bring ourselves down and try to do all of that to make up for our sins because we should know better. Because we're not like the people on the cross that were there at the cross. We know when we sin that we're sinning against him. And we should know better. We should do better. And we think that because of this, I need to make up for my sin. Friend, the same Savior that paid the price for your sin back then is the same Savior who forgives you now based upon what he did then. It's not about what you do. It's not about what I do. It's about what he did. That's why he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's the kind of Savior that gives forgiveness to unworthy, undeserving sinners. Because that's just who Jesus is. He doesn't come for those who have woken up and understand that they have wronged him. He comes for those who have utterly wronged him and have no idea about it. Because he's the seeking Savior. He doesn't wait for the sinner to come to him. He's the kind of Savior who comes to the sinner and makes salvation possible for them. This is our Savior. He's the sinner seeking Savior. And that's what we learn in the first saying of Jesus on the cross. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you will consider subscribing and leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to it on. So I hope you will join me next week on the next edition of the Taught by Grace podcast.